The Level Down Games podcast for March 15th, 2021 is presented by leveldowngames.com. Bringing forward, <laughs> this is the Level Down Games Podcast. Welcome home. Don't forget to set your clocks back. Uh, if you're listening to this and you forgot to do so, then you've probably been screwed up for well over a day. So that's terrible. Make sure you go fix your they, clocks. They're living in the past. I know. <laughs> for the uninitiated, the LDG Podcast is a weekly breakfast powwow amongst the career of Level Down Games. I am your host, Brian, and joining me on the show this morning, a very wise man, host of the media files every single friday the only person on the show besides me today it is kyle good morning brian yes it's lonely here this morning it's just me and you such a lonely day and And it's it's mine mine. i've been listening to a lot of uh system of a down lately my kids have been enjoying that old system of a down is is incredible oh one of the one of the the best rock bands of our time i absolutely agree with that i think they'll be talking about them 80 years from now yeah i i I really think that they definitely are special as well so uh good band definitely a good band special shout out to midnight playtime also a good band and neon dan over on twitter at neon dan tv for providing the music to the level down games podcast go check him out over on twitter and hit up his band camp at midnightplaytime.bandcamp.com to listen to more really excellent synthwave vibes yeah sean's not feeling well this morning so we are we are seanless and soundless and then dan i'm not sure I know he was up late last night streaming on Twitch. I saw he caught like a second wind sometime after midnight and was on there till almost 2.30 a.m. Eastern. So maybe he's tired. I don't know where Dan is, though. So we will forego yeah, those he two. Was, he and was, it'll just he be was on there pretty late, and I was I was up watching him for a while, and then I was having some computer issues, but he was up. He was on there for a while. Yeah. Had a was, long stream. He was playing Borzone all night, and it was, it was boring. No, I was kidding. <laughs> Snorzone, yeah. <laughs> Snorzone and Borzone, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, for the old sad anus this week, you know, it, it really isn't even a sad anus because Sean and Dan both aren't here. But uh, you've got a video game. I've got a TV special to talk about. Let's kick things off with gaming. And uh, Kyle, you are finally talking Loop Hero. Yes, I am. And this is a game that has has kind of come out and taken everybody by surprise with just how popular it is. In fact, I saw an article uh just just over 24 hours ago. I was going to say, I think it's, I saw it yesterday. Yeah, it's it's now over 500,000 copies sold within its first week. Yeah, that's incredible for a small indie is, game like this. Oh, it's that's unbelievable. I, I saw an article right next to it that said that uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, which has been a very popular uh, game, you know, visual novel type JRPG recently. Yeah, it's it not much more year. than that. It's not much more it than that. It just hit 400,000. Or it's even less than that. Okay. <laughs> it's even less than that. But there was an article about, hey, look, this game is at 400,000 sales. And that's a really good number, right? 400,000 people have bought and started playing your game. That's yeah, fantastic. It's not setting the charts on fire, but that's still a good number of sales. That's a solid showing. Uh, Loop Hero hit 500,000 in its first week, which is really big. So a lot of people have been jumping into this. And I have to say, 
Number one, I am really addicted to it right now. It's a game that's very difficult to put down. And number two, it's a very unique game. I've never played a game quite like Loop Hero, and it's a game that's really hard to describe unless you play it yourself. There is this very neat, kind of darkly written story, a lot of mystery going on with the world has been destroyed, and you are a hero who is left in it. A lot of people are left in it, but nobody remembers what happened. And there are bad guys that kind of helped destroy, and you and you get hints from them when you talk to them about this this evil being, maybe godlike creature that destroyed the world on a whim, or, or maybe for some purpose you don't know yet. But the entire gameplay loop of the game is not to not to control this hero as he goes through. You outfit the hero and you give him gear, but all of the movement and all of the action and, and combat of the game is automated. What you have to do is sort through the gear that you find and give it to him and also remember the parts of the world that he sees as he's walking through it. And to do that, you get cards as you as you defeat enemies, you get landscape cards that you can put down on the map as he walks around this loop. He's he's just walking in circles in this loop, which is kind of apropos to the style of the game, too. It is kind of a roguelite game. Now, you do get stronger with some buffs that you can build back at your base camp, but Every time you start the game over, you are level one, all of the enemies are level one, and you have none of your gear from the previous run. So you get these cards as you defeat enemies, and you use these cards to place down on the map. You place villages, or spider cocoons, or vampire mansions, or mountains, or meadows, and and each of them changes the map in some way, whether it spawns enemies, or whether it spawns items for you, or gives you health as you walk by it. Whatever it is, it, it changes how the hero experiences that loop, and and very soon that loop gets out of control. It turns in from just a just a regular road with nothing on it to this to forests and and cities and you know like battlefields. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that change how it goes, and you have to be pretty strategic about where you place a lot of these things because some of the cards interact with each other. Now, for example, if you you can put a meadow down and every time the day resets, there's a, there is a clock in the game that goes from day to night. Every time there's a new day, a meadow for each meadow that you have placed will add two HP to your health bar. Oh, nice. Yes. But if you place it next to a mountain, that is a blooming meadow. And a blooming meadow will heal you three HP each time the day resets. And so you're trying to place a lot of these panels next to each other in order to get a very beneficial you know an an easier time or or a more beneficial loop for you something not as difficult another one is there are vampires if you if you place a vampire mansion the vampires have lifesteal every time they attack but there's another card called a swamp that all healing effects turn into damaging effects Okay. To anything that happens on that. And so so you want to place a vampire mansion next to a swamp 
because then every time they lifesteal from you, it damages them instead. But swamps also spawn mosquitoes, which attack really, really quickly and can sometimes be very hard to kill. They're very evasive, so they're hard to hit and they're hard to kill. So you've got to kind of like play your odds there and say, well, do I want to deal with mosquitoes? If I can deal with mosquitoes, if I've got, you know, a weapon or, or a build that can, that can deal with these mosquitoes easily, then maybe I'll put a vampire mansion next to it and get extra XP and extra cards when I kill these vampires. Or maybe I don't want to deal with the mosquitoes. Now, is the game telling you what's going to change based on where you put these tiles before Not you always. place it? Okay, okay. Not always. Um, some of them you have to find out on your own. Some of them are hinted at in, in kind of the flavor text of the card. So, for example, there is there's one called a treasury. And when you build resources like mountains or meadows next to it, then you get extra resources back and you can take those resources back to your camp. And that's how you build up buildings at your camp. But if you complete completely surround the treasury then the tre- you get a lot of resources but the treasury is spent there's no more resources in it and the gargoyles that that guard your treasury will now start spawning on your map and the gargoyles can be a really difficult enemy to handle so it's it mentions that it says it says this is an empty treasury and the only thing that lives here now are the stone protectors that watch over it so there's little little things like that in the flavor text that will hint that something might happen sometimes other times no not at all it's just experimentation i've been watching a lot of people play through twitch and you know looking up stuff on youtube and i think you know it is only 15 bucks i think i'm gonna have to pick this up because it looks like i would have a lot of fun with this but my question is and it's something that i really haven't looked into yet maybe you don't know at the point that you're at in the game how do you get to the end like, what is the ultimate end of the loop? Okay, so I'm not sure what the ultimate end is yet. However, under the under the day progression bar, there's a little bar that shows you how far, you know, whether it's night or day. And under that, there is a map completion bar. And in order to get a boss to spawn on the loop, you have to place so many tiles down. Got it. Okay, okay. Does that make sense? And so, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah, no, it makes total sense. And if you die before that, then I mean, you already talked about how you go back, basically to you know, it's a it's a roguelike, so you're going back to the start. So correct, I get it. So, now. so basically, the so more tiles you, you feel have, like the boss. There's is, a lot of okay, okay. There's a lot of chance taking where, if you feel like you're gonna die, if you feel like you're having a bad run, or there's a lot of enemies coming up, you can retreat back to your. You can end the run early, and you can escape with sixty percent of all of the resources you've gotten so okay. far. And take those back to your camp. If you die, you only take 30% of the resources you gathered back to your camp. If you complete a boss and then go back to camp, you get 100% of your resources. So so there is there is a, a lot of strategy in, in kind of taking your chances. Say, all right, I think I can take the next battle, right? If I can take the next battle, maybe that will be enough to get me through another loop. I can get more resources. Or say, you know what? I'm re- I've got 20 health right now. No way I'm living through the next battle. I'm just going to retreat, take the 60% that I have, right? There's been plenty of times where I've, I thought I was in great shape, get into a battle against a few goblins, and they destroy me. I go home with 30% of my resources after a really great run. And that's that can be really frustrating. Um, there is, unfortunately, a, a decent amount of RNG in this game. Whether you're 
going to hit something, whether they hit you, the the evasion, the counterattacks, because the combat's completely an, um, automated. You don't have any say over any of that. And that can be that can be frustrating sometimes if you're having a good run and then the RNG just stacks against you. But it can also be, you know, really rewarding when the RNG goes in your favor and something's attacking you and misses five times in a row and you destroy them, right? So there's there's a lot of there's a lot of RNG that is really hit or miss, literally. <laughs> and the the bosses are difficult. But each time you complete a boss, you open a new chapter of the game, and that new chapter will spawn a new boss. So I have completed the first two chapters after after many runs, many attempts. I was able to complete the first two chapters. I beat chapter two last night, and I beat it handily, actually. I had a great run. And the I can now move on to chapter three, and I don't know how many chapters there are, but I can also go back and play chapter one or chapter two again, because doing so will make the game a little easier they are a little bit easier chapters and i can do it if i want to go back and get a ton of resources right i'm you know i'm a little bit buffer now because of how much i've i've decked out my home base and i know that i need a lot of resources to build something else maybe i'll do a chapter one run and really just start wrecking everything that i find in there and just gather up on resources Okay, so you can go back and do the older stuff too. So yeah, Absolutely, that's really yeah. that's really cool. I, I I'm liking this more and more as as you talk about it. And like I said, I, I have been looking into it and potentially considering buying it. But I I think I really like this as I look more and more into it. Um, I actually even like the auto battler. Like I actually think that's a really cool mechanic for a game like this. I can't think of it anything else that uh that that has tried to do that outside of you know JRPGs where you can just turn on a a system that'll auto battle for you. But I've never seen a game built around something like that for a mechanic. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. It's not boring. The game is not slow paced at all. In fact, everything moves very quickly. You can pause the game in order to place more tiles down, which you do regularly, because otherwise you would just fight endlessly. You'll just keep running into things on your map. And so you're regularly putting the game into planning phase is what it's called. And you can do that whenever you want. And you have to because it, it I mean, he zooms through this map and there's so many things spawning it at a certain point. But it is it's very addicting. It's, Basically, it's anytime that, you're holding a card is when the game is paused, right? Like because it lets you. Yes. It or, it or you time can to put down the tile, basically. Yes. Or if you right click or press space bar, you can you can pause the game indefinitely. Oh, OK, cool. Yeah. So so there's it's you don't have to like be holding something and making the game think you're going to do something you can just pause it putting in this planning phase it has for me a very civilization style feeling to it where i always feel like i can do just one more turn you know just one more right (laughs) it's fun it's very addicting i think this is going to be a game that stays on people's consciousness for a long time this year and i know we're only in march uh, but so far this year this is one of my favorite games that i've played yeah, I think I'm definitely going to pick it up. Like I said, it is only 15 bucks, so I don't want to miss the boat on it. I, I definitely want to make sure that I do play it for our own award season later on in the year when we get to that point. I don't want to be stressing and struggling to, you know, play everything toward the end of the year like we did last year. So <laughs> I think I'm going to have to pick this up and play it. I can guarantee you that at the actual Game Awards and at a lot of publications, 
for indie game of the year at the very least, this will have a lot of talk around it. Well, something else that has a lot of talk around it right now is the topic that I'm going to be focusing on here for the beginning of the show, and that is the vaccination special for South Park. And I, I, I know you haven't had a chance to watch this yet, Kyle, but... Jessica and I sat down. We were really looking forward to kind of seeing what Matt and Trey were going to do because South Park's kind of in a really weird spot right now. And I'm not entirely sure where they're going to go. So this is their 25th. 24th, I think it is. Their 24th season. I'm trying to remember correctly because on HBO Max... They have the pandemic special, which was last October, and they have this vaccination special as the only two episodes in the 24th season. And it's been renewed through like next year. But a lot of people have been asking, like, you know, what's going on? Because there really hasn't been any new episodes since 15 months ago, really, outside of these one-hour specials. They're I mean, putting out episodes like a British TV show now. Yeah, like, they, they really are taking their time, and, you know, people have really been wondering, like, what exactly is going on with this show? So, with this vaccination special, they've kind of obviously brought things back to how things are currently in the world. They, they, they've they turned Walgreens, which is where everybody in South Park is going for their vaccinations. Those that are, you know, qualified under the, uh, the state rules or whatever, like who's supposed to get a vaccine or whatever. And right now it is just the, you know, older people. So they they've turned it Walgreens into this basically reverse nightclub like atmosphere. Atmosphere. And there's a bouncer at the door and like a bunch of people standing in line trying to get in. And the VIPs are the old people. And it just I don't know, like I, I thought it was really funny how they actually turned that into like now the old people are getting to have all the fun. They're going out there. They're you know, they're throwing their masks and burning their masks and driving around, just making fun of everybody that actually has masks and has to wear them. It, it was definitely funny to see based on how, you know, things are right now. In the world and, and, and what your particular viewpoint is, people always up in arms at one another and, and you can always expect South Park to try to, you know, make light of, of situations. But I think what's interesting is, you know, Mr. Garrison and the show itself has been very political for the past few seasons. And I know a lot of people haven't particularly liked that about South Park. You know, they turned Garrison into basically a comedic portrayal of Donald Trump, our most recent president before Biden. So the fact that Trump isn't president anymore, I, you know, Jessica and I were wondering, like, well, what the fuck are they going to do with Mr. Garrison? Because it was such a pivotal thing for his character. And legit, like within the first opening moments of this vaccination special the the boys do something to their teacher and you, you know they play a prank on her i don't want to give everything away from the show in case people you know particularly you haven't watched it yet either so i know i do talk spoilers but i don't want to give everything away um they they do something prank wise to their current teacher and basically it makes mr garrison come back the exact way he was but now instead of you know mr slave he's got uh, Mr. Service, because he's a former president. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Holy cow. And he's just going around basically trying to turn things back to the way they were. But, of course, they have QAnon in the episode, and, you know, they make fun of a lot of, the you know, the guy with the face paint and the the, the weird animal skin hat and the American flag guy that you saw at the protests and raiding of the Capitol building and everything. Like, all of the, you know, QAnon weird characters are in this episode type of a thing, and they're just basically stalking Mr. Garrison around trying to figure out, like, okay, well, like, what do we do next? Where do we go? What what do you... Like, the things that he's saying, like, blow shit out your dickhole, that's clearly gotta have a hidden meaning behind it somehow, so what's the hidden meaning? And they're trying to figure things out and piece things together, and I, I think the episode was just really intelligent based on some of the things that we've been dealing with, but... As I was talking to you before we started recording, they're doing something interesting with the actual show and potentially not necessarily rebooting it, but I'm curious if they maybe are deciding to take it in a different direction when they do start doing, you know, weekly 30 minute episodes again on a Wednesday night for a normal season. Uh, you, you know, they put some tension between the four boys, uh, maybe potentially, you know, taking them in different directions. I, I think it's an interesting episode that could have some implications on the future of the series. And for that reason alone, I, I think the pandemic or I'm sorry, the vaccination special, if you didn't watch the pandemic special in October, definitely go back and watch that as well. But this vaccination special is probably worth it if you're a fan of South Park uh, just to see really what might happen maybe in the fall when when normalcy returns for the show i would assume because they normally do like half of their season in the fall half of their season in the spring these two one-hour episodes might be it for us until the fall but hopefully it comes back with a vengeance when it does because i've always been a huge south park fan you know i, I love their stupid comedy i think matt and trey are hilarious and Jessica and I have been rewatching the series on HBO Max, like kind of at night while just laying there, spending time with Gizmo and, and playing the Switch. And doing that and with, you know, the vaccination special recently this week has sort of made me want to go back and play through the Stick of Truth again and then play through the Fractured Butthole because I still have never played that one. So, yeah, I haven't played the Fractured Butthole yet, but I did play the Stick of Truth and really enjoyed that. You know, it, and hearing you talk about this, I haven't watched South Park in so long. This is going to get me to go back and watch those two specials. Yeah, I, I think definitely check out those two specials. The more recent seasons have been pretty lackluster, and South Park definitely did lose a lot of its team. But I think a lot of that is attributed to the fact that, like I said, they did move more political recently with some of the characters and some of the storylines that they were talking about and... You know, just based on how things were in the world, people didn't necessarily just want to, you know, relive exactly what was going on in the TV show, just like it was in real life. Kind of South Park used to be an escape from what was going on. And, and that might be what they're kind of taking it back to now. So we'll see. Yeah, it might be smart. They'll they'll take it whatever direction. I mean, as as they're smart guys, right? They yeah. I mean, they 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 know what people want to see. And there's a reason the they're also not afraid to push time. the envelope. So you know, fourth of a freaking God, what's a hundred years century, fourth of a century. It's almost been 25 years that this show has been on TV. So it's definitely been on there for a long time and uh, for a reason. So, but that is the old sad anus this morning. And uh, I think it's time for a little Sean Waltman lightning round. 
We have one, two, three, four, I think 11, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 11, something like that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, only nine, only nine. Nine items on the uh, docket for the lightning round this morning. And since it is just the two of us, we'll go back and forth. And uh, shouldn't take too long because we don't have Sean here to explain the Marvel Cinematic Universe to us. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That was a good. I, I stand by. That was a good uh, Media Files episode. He uh, he's been making jokes about himself, kind of getting lost in the MCU this past week. So <laughs> and being long winded and verbose. So I got to keep it rolling for him. <laughs> We'll put 10 minutes on the clock. The lightning round begins right now. I don't know if you saw this one, but this is pretty big as well. It's just kind of like they did with Monster Hunter Rise. Monster Hunter Stories 2 Wings of Ruin has added a PC version on top of the already announced Nintendo Switch version. And the game will be releasing worldwide on July 9th. It's pretty big news. Again, we it thought both of these news. games were going to be exclusive to the Switch, and neither of them are. But also releasing so close to each other. That's a bold that's move. Also, Let's yeah. see if it pays off. I, yeah, you have to imagine, uh, what is that still Q3, April, May? No. Okay, so that's actually, that is Q3, but not Q2. They are different yes. quarters, at least, so I was wondering if they'd be the same quarter, because they maybe were trying to stack up for some reason, but who knows? Yeah, we'll see. V1 Interactive, the studio founded by Halo co-creator Marcus Leto and developers of last year's disintegration for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, has announced that they are shutting down. Yeah, that was a very short-lived studio. They they developed one game, uh, Disintegration, which I remember Dan actually jumped into on his Twitch stream and played it when the, uh, I think when the open beta yes. came and out, or maybe it was a demo or something, was, and, and didn't like the, it. The, it was like plane battles, right? Jet, yes, jet planes, yep. yeah. Sort of. Or something, something weird, like that. carrier, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but... It didn't it work nowhere. out well, and the game, it, yeah, the game didn't do anything at all. The it just it just flopped, and the studio unfortunately. One would say it disintegrated. It disintegrated into nothingness. <laughs> but that is unfortunate. Hopefully, uh, Marcus Leto and the rest of the developers that were at V1 Interactive will bounce back, find some work elsewhere, and uh, you know make something that'll stick. That's always the goal. Uh, let's see here. Turbo Kid, a Metroidvania game based on the 2015 release Canadian film of the same name, has been announced by developers Outer Minds. It will release sometime next year. Based on the film of the same name, the game takes place in the distant future of 1997, where the kid must fend for himself as he crosses the wasteland in search of a friend. In keeping with the movie, the game will feature sprawling and diverse environments, comically over-the-top gore, a heartwarming story, and cool BMX tricks, all wrapped up in the throwback package. Did you see this one? Yeah, the game looks kind of cool. cool. I didn't know this was a movie. I've never even heard of this movie. I didn't either. Yeah, I didn't either. And it's a Canadian movie. Oh, so gross. You have to reach kidding. out to your Canadian friends and see <laughs> I'll if it's ask any Robin. good. I'll ask, maybe she knows what it is. <laughs> yeah, maybe she knows about Turbo Kid. Maybe it's one of those things that you have to be Canadian to know it. Got to be Canadian. It's like it's like craft dinner and poutine. Yeah. Well, no. What was what was she calling it in KD. your media files episode? Not craft. The, KD. That's call right. It KD. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, who would who would have thought? thought? KD. Publisher Digerati and developer Glee Cheese Studio have announced rhythm narrative game, a musical story for Xbox One, Switch, and PC. 
I think you're going to like this one. I didn't. I haven't seen this. It will launch later this summer. In a musical story, there is no text or dialogue. The entire story is told through the game's original music and animated art, using the connection between music and memory as a central theme set against a 1970s backdrop. Explore the memories of Gabriel, a young man trying to come to terms with his situation through the connections to his musical memory. Each correctly played melody opens a new chapter into Gabriel's past, bringing him closer to the truth. That sounds really cool. The trailer for this was was very, very cool looking. Like, I, I like games that try to do something different and, and tell a story with literally no text and dialogue. We've talked about it a few times here on the podcast before. I am a big fan of Virginia for that particular reason. And I, I really think that a musical story is, is going to pull on some, you know, heartstrings and, and be something that you and I both really enjoy because we like things Absolutely, like that. Yeah. yeah, we really like things like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Who so, doesn't? Yeah. Falcom has announced a Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel TV anime project set to air sometime in 2022 over in Japan. The video game series depicts the story of protagonist Reen Schwarzer and his companions in Class 7 throughout four games set in the giant military nation of Erebonia. But the newly announced anime project is apparently going to depict a story set in the western part of the Zamorian continent. Further details were not yet announced. I hope this either gets an English dub or quick subtitles because I really want to watch this. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. Even if it's fan subtitles, somebody yeah, will do it. Somebody's got to do it because I really want to watch this. Either that or I'll just have you translate it for me as we watch it. So we'll just, yeah, we'll just discord it yeah, together. You'll have to just, you know, we'll just pause every time somebody talks. So that way you can translate. Dude, anime, it. anime is so hard to translate. I used to, I used to be a translator and I can't translate anime. It's so hard. They say the weirdest things. <laughs> they say some crazy stuff in anime. <laughs> the latest game in the cooperative adventure series, We Were Here. It will launch digitally for PS5, Xbox Series, and PC later this year. You and your friend are trapped in the realm of Castle Rock with no way out. Were you betrayed or simply not that clever? Work together to explore and solve puzzles in this mysterious Antarctic adventure. Be aware, nothing is what it seems. There are dark secrets hidden in the shadows. Will you be able to escape? I'm excited for this, specifically because Frank and I have played... Two of the currently three available We Were Here games together and have done so on Twitch. Do you remember when we played some of these? No, that was before I came around and I don't I, I'm like entirely unfamiliar with this series. Oh, my God. You would love this. It's a it's a series that requires you to be playing with somebody else, sort of like um, TikTok A Tale for Two, which I know yeah, you played or with a way uh, out. or a way out. Yeah. Or upcoming uh, It Takes Two later this month. Which I know you're looking forward to. But, Very much. But uh, it's one of those style of games where you do have to be playing with somebody and you are, you, you know, it, it is linked up. You know, it's not like TikTok A Tale for Two where you're not linked up together. It is more like uh, a way out in It Takes Two where you can see the other person on your screen and it is a co-op style of game. But you're solving puzzles and, and progressing through this setting whether this one is castle rock and most of them have been in some sort of like castle setting type of a place it's not necessarily the same place every time but it's usually pretty similar and uh the goal is to try to escape and try to escape together because there's ways to get both of you to escape and there's ways to get only one of you to escape like if you gotcha. fuck up a puzzle and you know the doors don't open the way they should and maybe only one of you can get out or something like that so there there's ways to change the outcome and and replay the game 
so it's not boring. But these games are fun. I think you would really like these. And there's three of them currently available, and then this was the fourth. And I think the first two are even free to play. So, Well, this is what I needed was uh, more games to add to the backlog. Perfect. Yeah, but the good thing is each of these can be finished in, like, less than two hours. Oh, like, okay. They're That's qu- not bad. They're quick experiences. That's not bad. Yeah, they're they're pretty quick experiences. Uh, publisher Dotemu and developer Tribute Games have announced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, a pixel art side-scrolling beat-em-up for consoles and PC, though a release window was not yet announced. Bash your way through gorgeous pixel art environments and slay tons of valacious enemies with your favorite turtle, each with his own skills and moves, making each run unique. Choose a fighter, use radical combos to defeat your opponents, and experience intense combats loaded with breathtaking action and outrageous ninja abilities. Stay sharp as you face off against Shredder and his faithful Foot Clan alone, or grab your best buddy and play with up to four players simultaneously. This looks fucking awesome, dude. This looks so cool, and I I can see this being on Game Pass or something like that when it comes out. Um, Well, just because Streets of Rage 4 was, and it's the same studio behind that. Well, and Xbox is also the one that helped publish the really bad remake of Turtles in Time some years ago. That's true. That's true. Um, And and Microsoft is just willing to, you know, shell out money for things right now. Exactly. And if this comes to Game Pass, even if it doesn't, I'm definitely picking this up. And this is something that I will probably very frustratingly play with my my kid. I think you'll be able to get through it. You think so? Boy, he's bad sometimes. (laughs) He's, he's also really good sometimes. He's he's beaten Minecraft Dungeons on his own. He's been playing uh, Pokemon Let's he's Go five, Pikachu. Six, he turns like that six right now? next month. Okay, so if we assume that this game, you know, is out later this year, he might be six and a half by the time this comes out. And I, I think back, I was beating some pretty, pretty challenging games by six and a half. Dude, he's four badges into into uh, Pokemon right now. I think right he now, can do it. Which I think he'll like, be able to do it with you. I, I had, dude, he beat I don't think you're Lieutenant giving him enough Surge. credit. You're not giving him enough credit. I, I don't, honestly. He's he's actually a pretty decent gamer. I'm proud of the kid. Where were we? Where were we? Let's see. Uh, this one. I think you're going to like this one, too. Publisher AMC Games and developer Thunked have announced The Magnificent Truffle Pigs. That's the name of my metal band. A first-person romantic metal detecting game for Nintendo Switch and PC. It will launch this summer. You play as Adam, a sharp-witted but compassionate man who returns to his childhood village of Stanning. There... There, he'll help a woman named Beth on her mission to unearth a local treasure. As cracks begin to appear in Beth's fairy tale plan for everything, you'll delve into her history and discover all may not be as it seems. The Magnificent Truffle Pigs is a game about trying to find something, and the tone it sets is like a typical English summer, mostly pleasant, but with stormy mo- moments that threaten to ruin everything. This is being developed by the lead designer of Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. For a comparison yes. of what to expect, I don't know that guy that game uh, either. It's a so. it's a walking simulator. Okay, Fair so enough. Firewatch. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah, oh yes, yes, yes. Okay, same type of setting then. Gotcha. Um, but basically, you're just walking around and you know interacting with the environment, and I assume the magnificent truffle pigs is going to be identical to that, like a walking simulator where you just walk around and interact with the environment, and that's okay. Sometimes those games are are really, really magical, like Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. That one was really good, so uh, I'm looking forward to this. 
To close out the lightning round this week, Square Enix has announced that this Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, a new series titled Square Enix Presents will be debuting. This will be a series dedicated to providing new game announcements, updates, and news throughout the year. In the first episode this Thursday, which will be live for over on YouTube.com forward slash Levendown Games doing a reaction, a new Life is Strange game is going to be revealed, which will feature a new protagonist wielding a new power. And throughout the rest of the approximately 40-minute presentation, there will be new trailers, gameplay videos, and announcements for the following games. Outriders, Balen Wonderworld, Tomb Raider's 25th Anniversary Celebration, Marvel's Avengers, Just Cause Mobile, new mobile game announcements, and a new look at a few of the whimsical games from their sister company, Taito. Uh, I hope there's some cool stuff here, and I really hope this new Life is Strange is, uh, is going to be good. I really do. Aren't you playing through two right now? Yes, I am almost done with Life is Strange 2, actually, which was one of my goals this year was to beat that game. And this is like perfect timing. Life is Strange 2, not as fun as Life is Strange 1. I like Life is Strange 1 better. I agree with that. But I'm still having a really great time with it. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I'm anything Life is Strange, I will jump right into. I'm really excited about this now. I hope I actually hope we'll see an update on Babylon's Fall from Platinum Games. It, it's something that I've been waiting to see more on, and they did say more information will be coming this year. I, I think they said later this year, so it's probably still too early to get information on that. But you and I were potentially talking about uh, Outriders and the rumors how it might be coming to Xbox Game Pass when it releases on April 1st. I'm wondering awesome. if maybe... I'm wondering if maybe that'll be announced here because they are going to talk some stuff on Outriders. So... It, it, you know, the game is only a couple weeks away from release. Now would be a good time to say that if it was coming to Game Pass. And yeah, if it does, that would be huge for Outriders. I, I think that it would, would be huge and it would big things for that game. Yeah, it would make me play it. So, yeah, it would make me play it right away, too. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing more on Balen Wonderworld, a, a game that I actually have in our fantasy critic uh, league for the uh, for the video game fantasy stuff. I'm hoping it does good, even though it probably won't. Yeah, that's a mistake. <laughs> I told you. So tune in this uh, this Thursday, youtube.com forward slash Levadong Games. We'll be live reacting. But that is the end of this week's lightning round. Hello, everybody. It's Kyle from the Media Files. And if you don't know what The Media Files is, what are you even doing? The Media Files is a pop culture review to help you get through those boring water cooler conversations. Every episode, a special guest and I will be talking about something happening in pop culture, whether it's movies, television, music, books, sports, video games, you name it, we'll talk about it. Subscribe to The Media Files on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you there. That means it's time to move into a little new release roulette and make sure you go back and check out this week's YouTube uh, video new release roulette series where we go into all of the things releasing in a given week in terms of video games. So, you, you know, we had a couple people actually ask, like, are, are you, you, you I think somebody commented and I didn't I was just like, whatever, you know, I didn't respond to the comment, but somebody's like. You, you advertise this as a new release video game show and you're talking DLC and updates and whatever. It's fucking video games. <laughs> yeah, of course. We're talking everything that comes out in a, in a given week. So DLC and updates are going to be fucking in there and expansion packs are going to be in there too. Sorry, they're part of video I games. I got a lot of things coming out every week, bud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we get older, more and more things start coming out. That's true. Things happen. We start losing losing our uh, losing our filters. Things start flying yeah, out. Things happen. <laughs> but before we get to this week's offering for the podcast, we release roulette. We do have to look back at last week's 
guesses for the Open Critic Challenge and see how everybody came in. We did three games. First off, Stronghold Warlords. I guessed it would come in at a 72. Dan put 10 on that going under. Sean put 10 on that going dead on. 14 reviews. 72 is the official top critic average. So Sean earning himself a beautiful five-time payout, 50 points. Holy hell, man. Cyanide and Happiness Free Apocalypse was next. I guessed it would come in at a 75. Dan put 10 on that going under. Sean put 10 on it going dead on once again. Seven reviews, 69, the official top critic average. So Dan earning himself 20 points. Bringing us to our final game where Kyle bet it all. Let's go. Roots. I guessed it would come in at a 76. Kyle, you put 30 on it going dead on. Dan again, 10 for under. And Sean again, 10 for dead on. 51 reviews, so it did have the most potential this week. 78, the official top critic average. I was two points off. Damn, man. I was two points off. So uh, nobody getting any points on that one, which means that Sean would have rightfully been the winner had he been here. Uh, Dan would have been the runner-up winner had he been here, but picking the game of the week this week, and with the final words, and zero points. Hell yeah. You are the big bad Fruity Duty champion of Level Out Games this week. Welcome to the champion's (laughs) chair, baby. Welcome to the uh, victory lap. The uh, (laughs) The meme of the guy down at ninth place. Pouring (laughs) champagne into his mouth. Seth Seth will have to bring that one back. Oh, yeah. Looking ahead, though, we have four games to talk about on the new release roulette for the podcast this week. Game number one coming tomorrow on PC. I saw this on that SteamDB website last night putting the script together, and I was like, holy shit, dude, this one looks awesome. Humanity. Oh, I didn't even say the name of the game. It's called uh, Star Dynasties. Humanity had just taken its first tentative steps in space when the catastrophic destruction of Mother Earth plunged the galaxy into a new dark age. Centuries later, those few surviving colonies have stabilized into a simple feudal society, unable to comprehend or advance the technological artifacts they used to survive. Internecine? I think that's how you say that. Internecine? Internecine. Maybe. I don't know. Something like that. Some type of fights are happening between an aristocratic elite decide the fate of the scattered fragments of humankind. I think it's internecine, but I don't use that word in my everyday vocabulary, so I don't know. As the leader of a faction of star systems, you must seek to ensure the survival and prosperity of your dynasty. Expand your empire, herd your unruly vassals, build political alliances, and navigate a web of agendas, political intrigue, and social obligations to emerge as the dominant power of the galaxy. This one looks really cool, dude. Yeah, it looks super dope. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to jumping into this. I, I like how it has some deep RPG elements and sort of looks like it might have some like RTS elements as well. Looks like a really cool blend of genres. I really want to check this game out. Game number two coming on Tuesday to PC, Xbox Series, Xbox One, PS5, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. It is mundane or mundane. After learning of his grandfather's mysterious death in a fire, the protagonist travels to mundane, that's what we're going to say, for the first time since childhood. He will soon discover that something old and diabolical is haunting the remaining inhabitants. The quest is to find out the meaning behind these sinister events, taking the player on an odyssey up mundane mountain, from steep meadows across stony fields into the snow-covered peak. Mundane is a lovingly hand-penciled horror tale set in a dark, secluded valley of the Alps. Explore various areas full of secrets to discover, survive hostile encounters, drive vehicles, fill your inventory, and solve a variety of handcrafted puzzles. This one looks really, really interesting. And I think you would really dig the art style. Yeah, this one, the the, the hand-drawn 
darkness that this game actually does with that like pencil sketch style it fits so good for a horror game almost like a i don't know it's like it's like 3d but has almost like a limbo style art to it it's it's just yeah. very neat limbo's a good limbo's a good comparison absolutely uh definitely something that i'll check out depending on what the price is i wasn't able to find like you know determine what the price was going to be yet but uh I, I will be looking into that tomorrow when it does come out and then also coming out tomorrow game number three on uh, pc xbox series xbox one ps4 and nintendo switch no ps5 version yet uh it is rbi baseball 21 Play your way. Create a legacy and make a statement. The world of MLB awaits in RBI Baseball 21. RBI is the fast-paced, easy-to-learn baseball franchise perfect for anyone who wants to pick up and play. And RBI Baseball 21 brings new features including create a player, play-by-play commentary. It didn't have that before. Immersive time of day and incredible visual improvements. Step up to the plate, crush home runs, and take your club to a World Series title in RBI Baseball 21. This is the budget baseball title every year and doesn't rank that well, but always still sells pretty well because it's the budget baseball I actually title. had no idea that RBI was still going. Yep, still had going. Had no clue. Yeah, still going. 30 bucks, you can pick it up tomorrow. They, they, they never rank that well critically, but they always sell particularly well because, again, it's a budget baseball title and people like baseball. And the show is $70 and people don't want to shell out 70 bucks for a game sometimes. So... <laughs> But if you can afford the show, it is the better game. The final game this week, game number four, coming on Thursday to PC, a game that I also think you would be interested in, Kyle. It's called Mr. Prepper. Mr. Prepper is about being prepared. You know something is wrong. The risk of a nuclear war is in the air, and you need to get ready for what's coming. Struggle for your freedom and deal with the authoritarian government in this survival crafting game. You like prepping. Yeah. I'm uh I'm somewhat of a amateur prepper myself, Brian. <laughs> you might be into this Mr. Prepper here. Maybe the game is actually uh Mr. Cool Guy. Let me let me Maybe tell you about you. Let me tell you about Mr. Prepper. Well, Mrs. Prepper. Last year when the pandemic started, it was getting really hard to buy groceries. Like people were storming Walmart. And, I remember. Yeah, and it was toilet paper was flying off the well, shelves. Not only that, produce specifically was really hard to get. Flour everybody was baking their own bread, you know. So Lindsay reached into our prep cabinet, pulled out a can of wheat, pulled out a a hand cranked mill. Put, <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is a true story. And went back to the 1800s. Dude, milled some flour with wheat and baked a loaf of freaking bread. Did she pull her hair back into like the the old style as well when she was doing it? No, like, she just put on her bonnet. Put on a long dress. She showing the ankles only. Well, like we it's don't want to be immodest, Brian. Like it's 1880 all over again, <laughs> dude. What it was? You know what? It was a good loaf of bread. That's actually really cool. It though. was super That's cool. Tight. I was like, I didn't know we had any of these things. I knew we had some flour in there. Did not know we had a mill. And you know what? Home home baked bread smells amazing. Oh, so. she well, she bakes bread all the freaking time. But uh, yeah, we have a mill. Who has a mill? I didn't know we had that. So we, we, I got a little prepper blood in me, my so, man. So apparently you didn't buy the mill, but you have a mill. I have a mill, yeah. <laughs> I don't know where we got it. Yeah. I had no idea we yeah, had that's it. that's crazy. It was that's loud. That's crazy. But you are, you are prepared for the future, so. We are prepped. You can make your own bread. You know what, though? You can if, make your own if bread. We don't have any, like, water stored, though. If, if We'd be dead in two days because we don't have any water. Well, what you guys have to, you know, if society collapses, you would just have to become bread makers. That's it. And trade you would have water. to trade, trade bread there for water. You, exactly. See? Okay. Yeah, you, now you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, you just you guys are are the bread makers going forward, and 
things will go downhill from there. The I'm breadwinners. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, those are the games. Now, here are the scores. For Star Dynasties, I'm going to go with a 73. For Mundane, I'm going with a 70. For RBI Baseball 21, I'm going to go with a 54. And for Mr. Prepper, I'm going to go with a 78. While Kyle gets his bets figured out, let's jump to a preview of BG Mania, a video game music podcast. This past week on the show, myself and Bedroth sat down and did another composer appreciation episode, this time focusing on the wonderful Jake Kaufman. Check it out. The uh, the music here, though, is really, it's got a more modern, like, PS2, PS3, Japan, uh, Japanese-like produced sound than anything else I've heard from Kaufman. And that's why I included it. That's what I was kind of thinking listening to this. It almost sounded like like JRPG music to an extent. I, I kind of think that this would not be out of place in like a Toho game. Um, it's got that sort of okay. that sort of feel yeah. to it. Definitely very Japanese um, in, in, you know, in that like Japanese VGM style. And... But a really nice song, really nice track. Absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm looking at the game. It doesn't seem like something that I would probably ever play, but I love the way that this sounds. Like I said, it, rem- it reminds me a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of JRPG tropes that I'm hearing as I just sit here and listen to it now as you were talking. Like, it's it's surprising that this is. is Jake Kaufman almost. It is, which I think is a really cool sign yeah, for a composer. Really that really when good. you hear it, you're like, man, I can't believe he composed this. <laughs> Brand new episodes of BG Mania are available every week. Come join us on this musical adventure. Let's do... Oh, man. Again, I gotta... It doesn't matter. I'm not even playing against anybody. It doesn't doesn't matter. You're literally, literally up against yourself this week. Yeah, but imagine I lose against myself. How embarrassing. Well, it happened. It's happened before. It always does. Every day, Brian. Let's... uh, (laughs) Every night when you go to bed, you lose against yourself, Kyle. (laughs) 10 over Moondown. Okay. 10 over RBI and 10 under Mr. Prepper. Okay. I gave an easy one. If RBI Baseball gets enough reviews, there's a good chance that goes over a 54. But can you imagine if I got that dead on at 54? That'd be crazy. That'd be wild, yeah. Yeah, and, and like I said, RBI Baseball tends not to score that well. I think I looked into some of the more recent, and they were all like in the 50s. So I was like, yeah, I'll just pick a number. <laughs> I'll just pick a number here. But we'll see how they end up being. That's going to take us to our, our main discussion today, Kyle. And just for a little bit here, I do want to talk about our ongoing developments between Bethesda and Microsoft. Because they did do a presentation this past week where they talked about, you know, a bunch of titles coming to Xbox Game Pass. But also what we can expect from Microsoft and Bethesda moving forward as the, you know, acquisition of Zenimax. Max was completed last week's on Microsoft's part. Did you see all of this? I did, yes. Okay, so we found out that 20 games were added from Bethesda this past Friday to Xbox Game Pass, and all of them are available on console, PC, and cloud, because these are all, you know, technically like first-party games now for Microsoft since they own Bethesda, but uh, let's see here. The list of games that are on Xbox Game Pass now, this is just crazy. Uh, Dishonored Definitive Edition, Dishonored 2, Doom, Doom 2, Doom 3, Doom 64, Doom Eternal, 
Eternal, The Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion, Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim Special Edition, Elder Scrolls Online. I wonder if that includes all the expansions as well. Yeah, that's interesting. It does. The Evil Within, the Fallout 4, Fallout 76, Fallout New Vegas. I wonder if that includes the expansions for Fallout 76 as well. Uh, Prey, Rage 2, Wolfenstein the New Order, Wolfenstein the Old Blood, and Wolfenstein Young Blood. This is just, dude, it's just so crazy. It's crazy. It, there's a couple notable games missing from that list, though. Yes. Um, uh, 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 Doom, well, the, the most recent Doom is already on there. The Evil Within 2. The Evil Within Why, 2. Is, Doom, is that already on Game Pass? Or maybe it was already on Game Pass once before. I don't know. 2016 Doom, or 2015 Doom, is not on there. Okay, yeah, you're and right. Fallout 3 is missing. Oh, yeah, Fallout Vegas, uh, New Vegas is on there, but Fallout 3 is missing. You're right. Which is... Really interesting, especially because Fallout 3 is the Bethesda game. Fallout New Vegas is Obsidian. So, I mean, they're and not that not that Obsidian owns it, just they developed it. It is owned by ZeniMax still. It's just, I mean, there's there's a, some weird emissions. I don't know. I don't know why those games specifically are emitted. Why those specifically three? Yeah, yeah. exactly. In older games. So I don't know. Now. As somebody who does have an Xbox Series S, Kyle, and, you know, me being someone that will be in the market for an Xbox Series X here relatively soon, they they have been popping up with much more frequency at stores that I've noticed Wario64 tweeting out on. So I, I, I do think it's getting closer for me to buy my Series X. I, I you know, I, I, I pretty much have the money set aside at this point. The PS5 also uh, has been getting a, a yes. lot more shipments out recently. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. And and that's good news for anyone that does want to jump into the new generation of consoles this spring. But I, I think that I will be probably picking up my Xbox. I think I'm going to pick up, if I can, that Monster Hunter Nintendo Switch model next week first. Because, it, it you know, it is something that I, I really do want to play. And, and I think you and I jumping into Monster Hunter Rise together would be a lot of fun if I end up getting sucked into Monster Hunter Rise. Plus, like I said, I, I do want that Switch upstairs. But after that, I think I'm going to be picking up my Series X. Because at that point, I'll pretty much have everything and I'll be done for a while until the Super Nintendo Switch comes out later this year, next year. (laughs) So as someone that does have a Series S, Kyle, how are you feeling on the basically deal being finalized between Microsoft and Bethesda? This is something that doesn't affect me personally too much, just because most Bethesda owned games I've played, especially the ones that I'm like interested in right so so the fallout games the elder scrolls games the doom games i've already played all of those and so i'm not i'm not you know chomping at the bit to get back into skyrim again for the ninth time that's a game that i've i've played multiple times a game you still have to a game i still need to play yeah that is true and uh you know doom i actually might go back and replay doom eternal now that i can play it on console i was thinking about doing that this year and Otherwise, I I mean, not a lot there to super interest me. However, I do think that this is really great for Microsoft. This is another, as with everything else, a huge addition to their Game Pass library that should not be overlooked when you're looking at things to, to play on Game Pass. You really never have to buy a game ever again if you have Game Pass. Microsoft is really stronger than they've ever been at this point in time. Like, as they keep bolstering their first party lineup, as they keep sweetening the pot for Xbox Game Pass and really making that a no-brainer in terms of a service that you should have as a gamer, 
everybody I feel like should be paying for Xbox Game Pass the most at this point because it is 1000% worth the price of admission. And what what I think is interesting is that as the months and years go on, we're we're really going to see this acquisition of ZeniMax Media and and Bethesda really, really start paying off for Microsoft because in that roundtable that they released last week, Phil Spencer did talk about, you know, he's like, I listen to all these different podcasts and I hear you guys asking these questions. So I'm going to try to be as transparent as I can. But, you know, obviously he can't sit there and say everything, but um, not every Bethesda game is going to be exclusive. We look at Deathloop, which is coming out in a couple months on, on PC and PS5. That game was already sort of in development at Arcane Studios before this acquisition was, you know, kind of in place. But Phil Spencer did say the goal is to have exclusive content from Bethesda. Like they are going to be pushing to make a lot of things exclusive going forward. And I, I think that is huge in terms of Microsoft's like star power in the industry now. Because if it is an exclusive place in the future where you, you know, say Starfield is exclusive to the Series X and PC or Elder Scrolls 6 or whatever, that's huge and would drive a lot of people to to look at a Series X or S to be able to play those games if they don't have a powerful enough PC. It's totally bananas. It's and it's something that I've I really feel like is going to piss off a lot of people. It's it's oh it already has been yeah and and people have been talking about it online about how this is I mean go on Twitter not that Twitter should be used as any sort of barometer for public consensus uh, Twitter is ninety eight percent negativity I believe but you know you go on social the, media is ninety eight percent negativity the comments that we receive on our content is you know people just like to be trolls man. yeah hell yeah troll away baby. You come to control the media files. Doesn't bother us at all. We, we get it all the time. That's what Discord is for, is for trolling us. Hell yeah, we don't give a shit. But, you know, I, you have to understand, too, that, that exclusives are a thing that happen, and it's good for the company. What's good for the company ends up a lot of the time... Now, this is going to sound so, like, pro-corporate capitalism. I understand that. But when, when a company does well in sales... Then a company ends up making good products. That's something that happens, right? When when Nintendo has a good year, then other things happen, right? When Breath of the Wild sold really, really well, they decided to make Breath of the Wild too. So these are things that are that are good to some degree for the consumer to have exclusives. It it, it challenges and and makes competition. Nintendo is the king of exclusivity, and they're having the best you know time of their company history right now. So and I I would argue that Microsoft is is going to be knocking on Nintendo's door in in less than a few years time in terms of being the the biggest outputter of first party content. Like I you think Microsoft might honestly might honestly be able to overtake Nintendo in that output because Sony Sony is already struggling there. Yes. But the the exclusives that Sony does put out are big time exclusives. Yeah, they are incredible games that, you know, deserve the hype right. and, and, and the 
the sales that go behind them. Obviously, Microsoft has struggled a little bit in that regard, especially, you know, pretty much the entire Xbox One generation. But they have set themselves up massively for the Series X and S generation. And I really do think that in a couple of years, we're going to be talking about Microsoft's first party output like they're like, you know, the Nintendo of old. I really think we're in for a surprise with Microsoft. I think they're more powerful than they ever have been. And, you know, a lot of that can be attributed to Phil Spencer. He really has been, as we've talked about for years and years now, the saving grace for the Xbox brand. And I just have to, I mean, I just have to imagine that going forward, should we see Bethesda titles exclusive to Xbox? This is going to be a huge, a huge get for, you know, Xbox sales, I think, obviously. But also maybe end up in a better Bethesda game experience. Bethesda is a company that has always struggled with making stably performing games. Yeah, they're really good at certain things, but really, really, really bad at others. To the point that it's become a meme, right? I mean, the the bugs Absolutely. in Skyrim and the bugs in Fallout 4. Fallout 76, too. Yeah. Like, I actually saw a story that because of the issues that Bethesda was having with Fallout 76, they actually reached out to Microsoft to help out with it. And you know, with, with which, security... Which is where a lot of things are coming from yeah. f- with this acquisition, and it started with that. With secured gaming funding and secured distribution and only developing for, you know, a limited number of consoles, this may end up in a better experience overall as well. And so, there, yes, there is some bad to not being able to play this on the PlayStation if you are a PlayStation owner, right? But... Yeah, I mean, I was going to say Switch too, but it's not like that was ever going to be a real possibility with some of the, you know, Elder Scrolls 6 or Starfield, I don't think. Now, maybe the Super Nintendo Switch in 4K docked mode. There you go. Maybe that'll be able to to run Skyrim in, in more HD. Well, I don't, yeah, I didn't play Skyrim on the Switch. I didn't either. But, but... You know, uh, there there is some frustration there, and I understand that frustration, but I do think we have to look at this in, in terms of the good that comes from it as well. Yeah, I think this is, is a super positive move, both for, you know, Bethesda as a company, because like you said, they have struggled, and, and their games... Their game, there's a lot to love there, but you know the the issues that they have just are so unfortunate. And and with Microsoft kind of behind them, and you look at the quality of some of Microsoft's games that they've put out, uh, I think it's a match, hopefully made in heaven. And again, we we know there's very little chance that these games will be actually exclusive to Xbox because they will be releasing on PC and the majority of people that have a PS5 or a Switch do have some sort of PC that is somewhat able to run, you know, games, maybe not on the the ultra settings, but you could probably put it on lower medium and still get an enjoyable experience out of it if you really wanted to play through, you know, Starfield or right. Elder Scrolls 6 if you had to you could do that and plus PC is generally a really good place to play those games anyway because of mods now I do know Xbox series and X and S do allow for mods I think I saw that some of the Skyrim stuff is working uh, on the Game Pass version the mods so that's cool oh, cool. Um, oh yeah I hadn't seen that yeah I, I actually saw a story on that yesterday so it seems like everything is going to transition seamlessly to, to the Game Pass service and, and I just think this is you know a, a big win for subscribers to that service and gamers in general. I like you said, this is you have to look at the positives here. And yeah, there's going to be some negatives. Those that are, you know, just have the PS5 and they want to play Starfield. I get that, man. I really do. But 
you know, not everything is under our control and, and some things just happen. But I really do think that this is going to benefit the industry as a whole and, and make it healthier and stronger. And I think that's a very, very good thing. There's, you know, I I really do hope to to kind of flip to the other side of this and I'll, I'll play I'll play Sean here a little bit but I do kind of hope do you want to do your Sean impression while you do no, it no I no I can't do that not not this early in the morning not when he's having trouble okay. sleeping okay because you do a really good Sean impression I know they call me Sean too I said a Sean Z I do think that you know Microsoft has to keep their hands off of the Bethesda products mostly in order to keep up with the success that Bethesda has had yes they've put out you know, kind of questionable products and like release Fallout 76 wasn't great, but you know what? They stuck with Fallout 76 and have turned it into a really good game. The Elder Scrolls games, even Elder Scrolls Online, have always been really real well received. The Fallout games are always really well, well, gosh darn it, I, I'm having a hard time with these words. Come on, Sean. The Fallout games are always really well received as well. And so, I, you know, it's it's like when when a studio gets picked up by a by a major publisher for movies, you hope that the publisher keeps their hands off the movie and lets lets the director, you know, see their vision. Same thing here. I, I do kind of when I when I go into a Bethesda game, I want a Bethesda game and not a Microsoft game. And so I hope that there is some of that Bethesda charm and they still get their their say in on what the final product feels like and looks like. Yeah. But I, maybe maybe they could use a new engine. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely true too. They they definitely need to upgrade their their engine that they've been. And I think they are for Starfield, which is a huge positive. I looked into it real quick with Xbox Game Pass's version of the Elder Scrolls Online. You get the base game and the Morrowind expansion. Okay, which is not bad. That's not bad. I think there's three others after Morrowind. So that's not bad. Yeah. That's not terrible. I don't hate it. Yeah, not terrible. Yeah, I don't hate it either. Um, but but can you tell me about the costumes? Did you like the costumes in the MCU, Kyle? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured Sean would have ended his talk on Bethesda by somehow bringing it back to the MCU. He would, that's yeah. what he's, you know, it's like that's what he's known for. Yeah, he would have he somehow brought it back to WandaVision in the end. So, <laughs> Are you planning on going back and playing any of these Bethesda games now that they're on Game Pass? I I think that I will. You have to. You got to play. You got to play. Uh, I got to play Skyrim, Skyrim first of all. But but see that now it's funny because the you know definitive edition is on Game Pass. But I also own the that same edition, the Skyrim special edition on the on the PlayStation Four. So maybe if they I wonder if they'll upgrade it for the PS Five and I'll get a free upgrade and maybe it'll use the haptic triggers. Maybe I'll wait for the PS Five upgrade of Skyrim. Oh no! <laughs> I'll just keep waiting for the new version and never actually get around to playing Skyrim. That, that'll be my just thing. Just keep that'll pushing it off shtick. until the next one comes. Just keep, keep pushing it off until the next update comes, and then I'll just keep pushing that one off, too. Uh, no, I will get around to doing that. I kind of want to replay Oblivion. Uh, and not necessarily replay Oblivion, but I kind of want to step into the shoes of Oblivion again and, and find out, like, man, why was I so blown away by this game back in 2006? Because I remember playing that the first time on the 360 back when it came out in, in like, April of 2006 and was blown the fuck away. It dude. doesn't hold up great. I know it doesn't, but that's why, like, I want to, like, go back and see, like, because, like, I was so impressed with that open world and looking up at the skybox at the time. And, and now, like, you know, the game, like you said, it doesn't hold up and it looks aged. 
aged. I mean, it's been 15 years. I kind of want to go back and, you know, see, that's sort of like going back and playing Super Mario Brothers on the NES. Like, it's one of those pivotal games that was was a jaw-dropper moment back in the day that isn't anymore. Um, Other things... I don't know. I might play through Wolfenstein Youngblood. I have not played through that yet. That's the one that is co-op where you're able, you know, it's it's uh, BJ's twin daughters, Jess and Sophia. I thought you I and Frank played that together. We were going to. Oh, never did. Gotcha. So that that might be something that uh, that we do now. Yeah, hit, and I don't know that Frank ever bought partner, it either. I can, I can play through that. And hell yeah, that, that would definitely be fun to do. I mean, the game is set in this like 1980s alternate weird reality so it is something that i want to do uh but i think more more realistically i'm looking forward to like you know the the new stuff coming from bethesda that'll be day and date on game pass now that we know about now that obviously is not going to include death loop when it comes out in a few months because like i said that is exclusive to pc and uh and ps5 now i wonder actually maybe it'll come to game pass on pc that is a possibility that is a possibility but it is you know not coming to xbox one or series yet so it won't be on console but that will include starfield that will include elder scrolls 6 mm-hmm. that will include ghostwire tokyo for day and date on on their release date for xbox game pass so i think that's what i'm probably more looking forward to than anything is is new release bethesda games you know not having to buy those anymore so. absolutely and and game pass like we talked about with outriders it gives me a chance to try these games that otherwise i wouldn't pick up I wouldn't buy. And if these games get popular from people playing them, even through it's those it's through Game Pass, that's still a huge success for these games. I will play if Outriders comes to Game Pass, I will play it. Deathloop, a game that I probably wasn't going to pick up, if that's on Game Pass, you please believe I will play that game. Yeah. And I mean, you know, specifically games like Outriders that, you know, might have some microtransactions, there's still ways for them to make money even if the game is on Game Pass. So uh and, you know, they get a big, huge contract anyway for going on Game Pass. So. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm really, uh, really looking forward to seeing what actually comes of this now that the acquisition has been finalized between Microsoft and Bethesda. It's going to be something to keep an eye on because, like I said, I, I really do think it's going to be a positive, healthy thing for the industry overall. But. Man, it's going to be a crazy ride because, you know, these two behemoths coming together should be interesting. So looking forward to seeing what they do. But that music right there, before we close out the show, we got to talk a little Kickstart My Heart. And we like talking roguelikes. I know that's something we enjoy talking about. And this one here looks really, really interesting. It is a cultist-themed multiplayer roguelike game where you blindly serve a dreadful god and lead its cult in a fresh multiplayer take on the roguelike genre inspired by Pikmin. The game is called Warship. Don the robe of a cultist and ready your ceremonial dagger to serve the old god of your choosing in the grim universe of Warship. Your deity will deign the share or your deity will deign to share a glimpse of its might to his cult in exchange for blind devotion. Explore the world around your cult and find ways to please your god, convert the locals into followers, and master the art of drawing with blood to use powerful rituals. I thought that was going to say drawing blood, but no, it's actually drawing with blood to use powerful rituals. As devotion grows towards your unholy divinity, you get stronger alongside the cult until you finally have the power to summon your god and cause the end of the world. 
If being the sole herald of the apocalypse frightens you, fret not, for worship will feature fully-fledged online and local multiplayer, and you will be able to start a cult of up to four players. And they are looking to have this game released in 2022 on PC and consoles. Before we actually talk about the game, quick glance, Kyle, what do you think of this? Dude, this... I'm a I'm a big fan of this uh, 3D in a or 2D animation in a 3D style. I always think like that's, a diorama almost. Yes, I always think that's really cool. You know what this looks like artistically? It looks like Don't Starve. It does very similar. That's but the, it's just black and white setting. But it's black right? and white, right? Yeah. So I, I get the I get the vibe of a Don't Starve type game out of this. Um, the characters kind of look like Castle Crashers characters to me, but. Man, uh, uh, I mean, this it's so, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, art, artistic, um, stylized, the, the, the stylization yeah, it's, of it's the, very It's very stylistic. Yes, and I really, really like that in games. Plus, it's a roguelite, which I love. I love those types of games. I mean, this is a game that yeah. I'm, I'm very and interested the, And in. the Pikmin elements, like watching oh, some of the Pikmin. gifts, and as we're going to read about it here, the Pikmin elements are super, super interesting for a roguelike. Let's see here. Uh, so talking about the game, we said don the robe of a cultist, pledge your unyielding faith to an old heretic god of your choosing, and spread his influence by wielding a shred of his power. Grow the cult, lead followers, and survive the threats that seek to eliminate the evil influence of your deity. Bring the world on the brink of madness as the herald of an unspeakable horror. You will lead a mass of followers, convert godless into faithful followers, and command them to do your god's biddings. They are blinded by faith and ready to lay their life on the line for their new god. Command them in battle or bring them with you to explore and solve puzzles while minding how you expend them as they are one of the most precious resources the cult has. You can draw rituals with blood. Aside from followers, divine power summoned by blood rituals is the most potent weapon in the cultist's arsenal. Use your ceremonial dagger to spill your blood on the ground to draw while moving. Invoke your god's unholy magic upon activating a valid ritual symbol drawn in blood. You will be able to explore living world. Worship is an exploration-driven game set in a grim and enigmatic world of full of secrets. I love how they did this Kickstarter campaign, first of all, because this is all, like, the summary that we need for this particular segment, and then it really dives into, like, expanding on things later on that we can talk about. Like, I love how they did this campaign. I wish everyone would do it this way. <laughs> Explore living world. Worship is an exploration-driven game set in a grim and enigmatic world full of secrets. Flavorful factions that react to your actions and decisions will breathe life in the horrific yet almost cute universe of worship. A right mix of procedural and handcrafted elements will make each game session different and fun to dive in. As we talked about, you'll be able to play with up to four players, um, you know, online or using matchmaking to start a cult with other players. The game mechanics are very well adapted to multiplayer, but they said it won't take anything away from those who do want to enjoy the game solo. And they are talking about an innovative stream support for those that do want to stream the game on Twitch. Uh, if you actually scroll down to where they talk about how, you know, they, they really want to integrate the game into the streaming culture, um... They said, here's a few examples. Followers named after subscribers watching currently. Monuments reacting to chat chanting the inscription written on them. Viewers voting for the faction that will appear in the next event. Puzzles where the chat controls objects or traps akin to Twitch plays and more. So they're adding a lot of things for Twitch as well. I think this game just looks so fucking unique. It dude. looks super duper cool. Um, it's blown past its goal. $52,000 was its goal. It's at $93,000 and still has 25 days to go. Um, 
you know, they've unlocked a few stretch goals already too, have they not? I think they have. I'm, I mean, I'm sure they have if they've blown past their. Uh, oh yeah, so it, it got funded at at a certain point. Trying to find where's the where the hell's their stretch goals? Here they are. Explorable they're, they're right sub there. zones, goals. possession rituals, secret alternate endings, and then uh, more to come. So more more to come because it has not reached. Uh, 125,000 Canadian dollars yet or whatever they're looking for for that last one. <laughs> this Secret is really, endings. really cool. Yeah, the art style, man, just, just the way that some of these gifts look and, and as you really, really, really read more about the game on this Kickstarter campaign and, and like I said, you really look into the Pikmin elements, like you see these followers or I guess they aren't followers at the time, but they're these like silhouette character models that it would just be like, you know, Pikmin that aren't activated. And you know how Captain Olimar goes over to you play Pikmin, right? And you oh, go yeah. over and blow the whistle, blow the whistle and you get the Pikmin yeah. to follow you around. Uh here in Warship, you basically are taking your ceremonial dagger, jamming it into your hand, and drawing a circle of blood around these characters or followers, and that's how you convert them into your followers and basically, you know, minions to go do whatever with like little Pikmin. It's fucking cool for a roguelike. And it's the, and the game is super dark. Yesterday I was wearing my Hail Satan shirt. I should have had that uh, had that on for Oh this. man, perfect would have been I for know. this one, yeah. Uh you look at like the puzzles and you know how you have to maybe get blood to go from one spot and you know go down a path to a crystal to activate it and all these different things. The, the game looks really dark and really like you know, it's it's going to talk about some dark motifs that I think are really interesting. Cults obviously are a touchy subject, but also super interesting. But you know me, dude. I love games that incorporate a, a town building or, or element like that in their game. And Warship has that as well. You are able to, you know, kind of move these buildings around your your cultist compound, I guess. <laughs> and you're, you know, these like decorations and everything. And you're able to build this area up and advance buildings with the resources in the game to unlock new rituals, buffs for your followers. Um, you know, different events might trigger in the world because of it. I don't know, dude. I like games like that where you can make your town unique. Kind of like Littlewood, which we've been playing and talking a lot about Lebanon games. Did you scroll down and see the different gods? I hate, I'm getting there. Let's see here. World and lore, the old gods. Okay, hubris, the sower of insanity. Mm -hmm. Look at this uh, one. There is... And, and's guide, apostle of deliverance. Look at that thing. That looks like... Um, looks like the, the faceless man from uh, Pan's Labyrinth. It does. It really does. That's what I was trying to think of. Salafist, the deceit weaver, looks really cool. From the game... Crawl? Yeah, I don't know Crawl. Glub, Dank Lord of Fertility. Dank Lord of okay, Fertility. I like, I like the Dank Lord. Yeah. I like the Dank Lord. You know, I like, I like things that are dank. Uh, I'm curious how the gameplay is going to change based on the old god that you choose. Does it talk about it? It might even talk yeah. about it. it Under does. each gameplay one, it impact. says gameplay impact. There you go. Yeah, look at that. That's really cool. So if you choose Hubris... Uh, worshipping the sower of insanity is to embrace the transformation of all things, to plunge the world into madness. The acts of devotion he will reward most include corrupting the godless into followers, but also changing initial world tendencies. Uh, you might encounter more unspeakable horrors than usual. That's kind of cool. As his devotion in the mortal realm increases, his power will manifest itself, warping inhabitants and beasts alike into nightmares. This is really neat. I love this, dude. I love this so much. That one we talked about in 
and and Skyda or however you pronounce that one. Cults devoted to the apostle of deliverance have adapted his twisted vision. So good. Or adopted his twisted vision. His followers have their sights on the extinction of sentient life, and as such, they are fearsome warriors. Acts of faith for Anne and Skyda are of the murdery kind. Killing will reward more devotion, but so will sacrificing followers and setting free the godless. Um, let's see here. The deceit weaver, Salathis, when you worship Salathis, you willingly become the most important pawn in her intricate plan. As a reward, you get to lead the only cult that knows and embraces the true nature of the manipulative old god. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then the uh, dank lord of fertility, Glub, he, uh... He seeks to prepare his arrival by amassing the biggest mob of followers the world has ever seen. His faithful are blessed with potent summoning rituals and bountiful blessings. Um, kind of cool. I wonder if there there obviously will be hopefully more than just four. But you you think of the implications of, of the gameplay changes and and how that could work with a roguelite. That would kind of I. Would that be like your weapon, I guess, maybe? Or I wonder yeah. how that would I would I would imagine kind of like work. in Hades where you change the weapon and that changes yeah. the gameplay. Or the boons yeah. that you get, maybe. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. That, that's really cool. And there's like a, several different factions in the game. This game just looks so freaking neat, man. And to get a copy of the game, the cheapest is 17 US dollars, 20 Canadian. Gets you a digital copy of the game for PC or console. Name in the Kickstarter. Uh, backer landmark. What is that? Your name on the Kickstarter backer landmark. Oh, okay. That must be something actually in the game. Uh, exclusive Discord title and digital wallpaper sets. And yeah, they're looking to have this out by the end of next year. I'm not going to pledge right this second, but I did save it. I likely might throw the $17 this way before the actual, uh, you know, pledge period expires. But if I don't, this is a day one purchase for you when it comes There's out. There's a $53 tier that gets four keys, so that's about 12 bucks Holy a person. Holy shit, dude. That's not yeah. bad for just the four of us about, to split it. Yeah, about 12 <laughs> bucks a person to summit. But we know Sean doesn't play games because he just wants to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Because he's a chump. So. He just wants to talk about WandaVision and uh, the Black Widow movie coming out later this year. I mean, I want to see the Black Widow movie, but I do too. <laughs> Go check this out. Kickstarter.com. The name of the game is Warship. I think this looks like a really, really unique roguelike. And I love talking about things like this on, on this segment because it allows us to see how these smaller studios are evolving genres that we love. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many roguelikes and farming simulators that we talk about on Kickstarter, but they're all different. They're all different, Absolutely, and yeah. they all are worth talking about. It's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah, this is this is one that I will watch. But, Kyle, that, unfortunately, is going to bring us to the close of the show for this week. Just a little two-man show. We pulled it together. We still got about two an hour and a half worth of content. I think we uh, I think we did just fine. I would say so. Own. I should say Without so. Without Sean and Dan. Yeah. 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 We don't fucking need them. No, I'm just Yeah, kidding. the back anus <laughs> was, uh, was full fire today. Yeah, the back anus. That's what it should be called. Brian and Kyle. Yeah. All new umbrella segment. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's where the anus is anyway. It's in the back. Back anus. Where it should be. It's not sad. Not anymore. It's a happy anus. Not after this week. No, well, it's true. <laughs> Kyle, you, sir, get the honors of closing out the show. It's been a while. You've not gotten to do so. You haven't won in a while, so you'll have to take this, uh, you know, compensatory uh, pick, I guess, or basically however you want to talk about it. <laughs> you, you, you know what? I, I, t- I, t- I take the W's when I can get them. 
Uh, yeah, you get them when you can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know what? Head over to YouTube. YouTube. What the hell? YouTube.com. YouTube.com? Yeah. Yeah. Slash. That's a website. Level Down Games. We do have this new show going that, that Brian is doing on Sundays, the new release roulette, where you can watch the trailers of all the games that are coming out. It's a well put together show. You get to hear Brian talk about these games. Nobody knows new and upcoming games and can compare them to previous games like Brian can. Uh, and anybody that's listened to the show knows that that's the truth. And so this is the only show that I know of. That does this on YouTube. I don't think a single other show weekly goes through and, and looks at upcoming games. This is the There's been shows that have tried. This is the future. But none that none that none that have stuck. This is the So hopefully we can make it stick. Yes. This is the future, Brian. The 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 new release roulette is the future of level down games YouTube. It's gonna take us into the stratosphere of stardom. I uh go check it out. Good show. This episode of the Level Down Games podcast has been brought to you by leveldowngames.com. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review regardless of where you're listening. If you want more of us, check out youtube.com forward slash leveldowngames and make sure you subscribe with notifications on, as well as twitch.tv forward slash leveldowngames again with notifications on. Links to where we can be found on social media, as well as to our Discord server, and all other important information can be found in the show notes for the episode. 